I want you to open up your uh, Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 1. And we've been walking through this chapter for some time, so, um, and I've presented on the conference call enough about it, so I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, we've been walking through it. Um, we've been really concentrating on the first chapter of the book, uh, which is an introduction. And what I mean by that, <clears throat> it's not just an introduction for an introduction's sake. Everything going on within the first chapter is for the purpose of introducing. So everything he puts in the introduction, he's, he's uh, attempting to prepare us for what we're going to encounter once we get into the prophecy itself. So uh, I, I at least found it really important and significant, so tried to really um, uh, be uh, uh, as thorough and as open as I can be as we walk through the verses. Um, I've really enjoyed our studies uh, in, in you know, the, the introduction, but I've, I found uh, kind of a, uh, a real liking for verses 9 down through verse 20, which is the last, uh, it's the concluding section of the uh, introduction, because he, he's introduced four specific things to us. But we've been looking at verses 9 down through verse 20. The whole setting of verses 9 through 20 is not an historical, which I was deceived at first on this, it's not a historical kind of a deal, uh, not just an historical account giving us information about him being on the island of Patmos because all the historical um, details are absent. We don't know when he was there. Uh, we don't know the physical circumstances that brought him there, nor the physical description of what the place was like, what its purpose was. I mean, uh, as a as a first reading through the book a long time ago, I, I thought it was like an, an island of banishment, just he was by himself there, but apparently it was a Roman prison island that is comparable to uh, the modern day Nazi uh, concentration camps kind of a thing. It was just, it was a, it was a prison island. So, see, all of that, all those kinds of details are left out for us. What is given to us is a focus uh, for John's life in this, in this hour. Uh, God's plan is, uh, it has been unfolding in his life, and that hasn't stopped. There's, there's not a pause in that. This is a part of that. And John is a part of the eternal plan of God as it's unfolding, and being on the island of Patmos is a significant aspect of that, which I found really profound. Now, we've been walking through verses 9 down through verse 11, which is dealing with the community and the interaction within the community <clears throat> and his call uh, his call to participate in the community and his, his call to, uh, of course, present the pro uh, this prophecy to that community. But we've moved into verses 12 down through verse 18. So if you have your Bibles open, this is where we're going to be. And uh, we're going to look specifically this morning at verse 15. Now, I want to preface this. Um, we've, I started out dividing verses 12 through 18 up into six parts and kind of just wanted to walk through that. But when we got into verse 15, uh, you probably could divide this up into three or four parts, verse 15, but we can't spend all year in just a couple of verses here. So I'm trying to be as concise and just say what needs to be said uh, in this verse. Um, but I can only do that, I think, uh, in, in, uh, to be adequate to the verse, I can only do that in two studies. So we've divided verse 15 up into two parts. We're going to look at his feet uh, in one part, and then we're going to look at his voice in the next part. And his voice will be easier to look at probably in terms of length and complexity, but um, verse 15a regarding his feet 
is really a detailed account. And specifically, we want to look at three particular things in this verse. Okay, We want to look at three particular things. We want to look at his feet and uh, why they are significant, why his feet would be um, you know, referred to instead of his ears. Say, well, why, why did John refer to his feet? And then we want to look at why he refers to them as being like bronze. It's not that they are bronze, but they're like bronze. And then we want to focus in on the phrase glowing in a furnace, which uh, I didn't find significant at first, but when we begin to do this study, I found it really important because the phrase glowing in a furnace is actually one Greek word that's used a handful of times in the New Testament and finding it really important. Uh, before we look specifically at verse 15, verse 15 obviously falls within the context of verses 12 through 18, which is a focus on who Jesus is. Um, back in verses 10 and 11, uh, John tells us he's been on the island of Patmos, and he hears this voice behind him, and it sounds like a trumpet. So it's loud, it's, uh, it's a pronouncement, and it tells him, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. So he turns around in verse 12 to get a look at this voice. And when he turns around, we have a picture uh, of two things presented. We have a picture of the church, in which he describes as lampstands, and then we have a picture of Jesus himself. Uh, verse 12 reads, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, we know that the lampstands, these seven golden lampstands, are the seven churches because of verse 20. At the end of this chapter... Uh, he says the mystery, Jesus tells John the mystery of the seven stars. He tells him what that is. And he says the mystery of the, uh, of the seven golden lampstands are the, are the seven churches at the very end of verse uh, 20. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are those seven churches. So when John turns around, he sees the seven churches, but he sees them as lampstands which is really significant. And I'm going to touch on that briefly. Um, this, because it's a part of the whole 12 through 18 scene, the lampstands are the seven churches. And the reason that uh, they're referred to as lampstands, that is a ministry, con uh, a ministry context, if you will. In other words, when, the, when God sees the churches, John is, is, is brought in, he's able to see the churches the way that God does. God does not see our churches in terms of numbers. He does not see our, uh, our churches in terms of location. He does not see our churches in terms of uh, culture. He doesn't see it uh, in any of those kind of uh, contemporary, traditional. Uh, he doesn't see the churches that way. The churches are to be seen in light of ministry. And the lampstand is a ministry. Now, you, this is confirmed in a couple different places, and it's important for you to know this before we get in the study. But down in the church of Ephesus, chapter 2, the very first church, uh, Jesus makes a comment to this church that if they're not going to respond to the ministry in which they've been given, Jesus says in verse 5, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to come and uproot the physical church. He says, the ministry of your church I'm going to remove. In other words, you can still meet, you can still gather together, you can still do the physical numbers, you can do the physical game, you can have a pastor, you can take an offering, you can do specials, but I'm not going to be there. Uh, so I'm going to come and remove the ministry. In other words, I'm not going to, you're not going to be involved in what I'm doing because you need to repent. 
That's the idea, because they, they are not involved in what he's doing at the outset. So, back in verse 12, they, John sees the churches as lampstands. Okay? Now, among the lampstands, uh, he says, is someone like a son of man, which is, which is a really significant statement. Um, son of man uh, has to do with the descriptive uh, linking together um, the identification of Jesus with us. <clears throat> he doesn't describe him as the Son of God, and he doesn't use name or title. He doesn't say, I turned and saw seven lampstands in, uh, in Jesus. He says, I saw seven lampstands and one like a Son of Man. And all of that's really significant. And it fits within uh, this, this ministry paradigm that's being set from verse 12 down through verse 18. Um, Again, he sees the church as a ministry, and Jesus as the Son of Man as an aspect of that ministry. I'm going to give you one more quick verse. At the end of chapter <clears throat> 21 uh, in the book of Revelation, there is uh, the ministry paradigm that's set out for the entire book down in verse 22 and 23. This is how it reads. John says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Here it is. For the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. So, here's how the ministry works. The plan of God, the flow of ministry as He designed it, is supposed to work. The church is the lampstand, and their number one ministry and function is to hold up the lamp, which is Jesus, and Jesus, who is the lamp, gives the glory of God, which is the light. So, it's this lamp uh, it's this lampstand, lamp, light kind of paradigm, kind of ministry context. So verses, uh, verse 15, our passage this morning, is seen in light of this ministry. John turns around and he sees the church in terms of its call to ministry, which is to hold up Jesus. And Jesus is seen, he's the lamp, but he is the son of man. So he is presented in these verses, and we're going to get an unfolded description of him. He's seen in these verses not only as the agent of our salvation, the one who made it possible, but he's also, we are to hold up Jesus as the one who is the demonstration of what that salvation looks like. Um, and of course, he shows, us the, he shows us the glory of God. So... In essence, verses 12 through 18, we see, we're going to see Jesus presented ministering to the church uh, as they hold him up. And he is the demonstration of why.